Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Good morning, church. Are you maybe seated? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so my name's Sanjeev. Thank you, Graham. And uh, myself and my lovely wife, Jocelyn, uh, we're the missions directors here at Church Elevation Church Hills. I have a son, Canaan, who's 22 years of age, uh, and my daughter, who's 15, uh, going on to 22. Yes, we all know what that's like, some of you. Um, I, I currently work for, oh, my wife's a school teacher here in Kings Langley, and um, I work, I'm a project manager in Wesley Mission, and uh, one thing I love about Wesley Mission is it does a lot of work, but uh, it actually really touches the individual, um, and, and that's where I really love the, the values and, and the great people in Wesley Mission, and just to see how God moves uh, on an individual's life. But this morning, um, we continue our series uh, about called, and I want you to turn around to the person behind you or to the side and tell them that you are called to serve. That's good. There's a bit of noise, a bit of noise. We're a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church. Amen? So this morning, we're going to go on a journey, um, and uh, we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, there's a rule in this house, and it's, you can't be shy. So you've got to make some noise this morning, all right? So I want to hear amens. I want to hear hallelujahs. I want to hear whatever comes out of here. There you go. Amen. So let's jump into it. Um, so today we'll look at the very well-known story, as I said, of the Good Samaritan. Let's look at the verse and then let's, let's, let's unpack it from there. So we'll get the verse on the screen. So in Luke 10, 25 to 13, it reads, the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do I read it? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So a Levite, so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. The expert in the law 
perhaps he was a lawyer, replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So friends, a Samaritan, you know, Samaritans were not liked by Jewish people. It's a bit like a Parramatta supporter not liking a manly supporter. You know, I've <laughs> got, got an amen clap over there. You know, so it was, it was that disparity. Jews didn't like Samaritans, right? So let's set the scene. Here's Jesus. A lawyer comes up to Jesus and he says, he challenges Jesus and he tries to put him off base. He tries to put him off kilter and get Jesus off his game. And he asks Jesus to define who is my neighbor. In Greek, Neighbor means somebody that is near. In Hebrew, in Hebrew, it means somebody that you have an association with. In a way, the word in that context, in that time, had a limited sense. So it was limited to being a neighbor within the Jewish community. And it would have excluded Samaritans. It would have excluded Romans. It would have excluded foreigners. Maybe, maybe even excluded manly supporters. I, I don't know. And so are you, in our context now, are we talking about our next door neighbor? You know, yeah, they're our neighbor, we're nice enough until they park on our nature strip. <laughs> the person, how about the person that takes your parking spot at Stanhope Gardens? Or how about that person that changes lanes on a roundabout? I oh, know, yeah. Or how about when you're at Bunnings, that person standing in front of you and you can't get past the escalator? Because they're long escalators at Bunnings, right? How about the person in the coffee shop that you see when you're getting your matcha latte or whatever it is, you know? Is that your neighbor? The lawyer is asking Jesus to rule out those other people in his life. He's challenging Jesus, right? But you know what Jesus does? He could have ended up in a philosophical, legalistic debate with this guy, a theological debate with this guy. But Jesus plucks a challenge out of the air and places it on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Amazing. And, what he's, and he tells a story. He tells his story. And he places it in a very dangerous part of the community, a very dangerous road, a place where robbers roam seeking their victims a place that was conducive to ambush, a windy road, a dangerous road. In 2015, myself and Jocelyn and the kids, we were actually in Jericho. And we drove from Jerusalem to Jericho. And let me tell you, it is a windy road. There's big hills, there's, there's big boulders, and it's, and it's windy. And it goes down well below sea level. And it's about 28 kilometers from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we got to see firsthand and feel what this road would have meant for this person, this traveler that was ambushed. Our Egyptian guide actually told us that in the time of Jesus, it was known as the bloody path. Jesus takes that question and places it on this bloody path. So this Jewish traveler is going down this dangerous road and certainly he's afraid. And the scripture says that these guys jumped him, right? And that they stripped him of his clothes, beat him in a way that they left him half dead. I'll just pause here. Who saw the Paul Gallon fight last Wednesday night? No. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Dave did. Dave's, Dave's got a bit of boxing in him. 
Anyway, um, the undercard fight was one of our boxers. So I do I train with um, boxers here at the Blacktown Police Boys Club, and uh, some of our boxers were the undercard fight. Now I've sparred some of these guys that fought, and let me tell you, it's a controlled environment. You got a mouth guard, you got headgear, there's a referee, you got three minutes, but the privilege wasn't there for this traveller. It would have been an all-in brawl. Like it would have been. It would have been full on. I mean, it hurts when somebody punches you, you know. I don't show it when I'm getting sparred. When I come home, then I start to cry, you know. Yeah, Josh is like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I don't want to know, you know. You know, but <laughs> what are you in the moment? But, you know, and it's not just physically, perhaps emotionally, this traveler would have been traumatized, you know. Like, just, just imagine, like, if you got bullied at school or something, like, it's, it's just traumatic. He would have ended up in a very, very bad shape. But then there's good news, right? There's a Levite and a priest. What do they represent? They represent purity, someone good in society, somebody that's going to come and do, you know, do real good. So they come along, but then they walk right by, you know. There could have been, you know, to describe a Levite and a priest, perhaps like our own Pastor Ben and Pastor Prash. You know, they're very pure, very holy, you know. You know, they're coming along on their donkeys, you know, like lowered, shiny hooves, plaited tails with extensions on their donkeys, diamondes on the reins. They're cool Levites and priests. They're cool pastors, you know. <laughs> but they just pass by this guy that's, that's half dead. <sighs> we need, yeah, a bit more leadership courses for, yeah. <laughs> but maybe, maybe... Pastor Ben and Pastor Presh had an excuse. Is there a possibility that they were late and, and, and Pastor Anna and Pastor Paige, their wives, were late for the Jewish annual women's high tea and they had to be home to look after the kids? Or was the Levite and priest part of the project team to build a new dual carriageway from Jerusalem to Jericho and develop the robbers' rehabilitation program? See... What he says, it justifies in their mind, hey, I can fix the root or the cause of the problem so that I don't get bogged down or burdened by an individual need. Or could we speculate that the Levi and the priest had to perform religious duties and could not touch an unclean person? Or were they just simply scared, self-preservation, that maybe, hey, it's a setup, it's a jeer up, there's other, other robbers around, Right? Or is it because if I help someone, oh man, they're going to latch on to me now. They're going to take up my time. They're going to come to me in the coffee shop and I've got to buy another matcha latte for them, you know, and explain what matcha is to them as well. Because <laughs> most of us don't know what matcha is. These are excuses, friends, you know. The excuses that when we see a need that we walk by. And the excuses keep playing in our heads. We keep justifying the excuses, just like the law expert did, try to catch Jesus out, try to rule out who I, who I don't have to help, right? But when we have pity, the Samaritan had pity, it calls us to act. It calls us deeply to act. So that means there's a call to action. We can't just leave the person in need how, how they are. The good Samaritan had the capacity to see himself into his neighbour, to be concerned about his brother. He was selfless. 
You know, throughout history, we see how humanity has gone through struggles. In, in, in the American civil rights uh, movement in the 50s in 1960, um, the famous Reverend Martin Luther King, uh, I'll, I'll just there's a quote, I think it's on the screen. Yeah, okay. So he, he, he was quoted as saying this, life has its beginning and its maturity comes into, comes into being when an individual rise above self to something greater. The Levite and the priest were all about themselves. The Samaritan was about his brother man in need. The question is, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the good Samaritan came and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? The Good Samaritan illustrates God in our lives. He takes us from a dying situation, a dangerous place of despair, to a place of healing, restoration and hope for the future. He walks with us and he's always with us on our journey. Our King will move. Our King will move. We move, He moves, He moves, we move. Our God is compassionate to us. Compassion is a call to action, friends. So this morning, we're going to look at three thoughts, three things um, about compassion. Number one, see, when we serve, it interrupts us, all right? We don't wake up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to go have my matcha latte, then I'm going to go start looking for people to help. We, We don't do that. We're like, you know, we're going to go to work, we're going to, you know, get the kids off to school, whatever it is. But sometimes... Sometimes we have a divine interruption. And, and, and as followers of Christ, we've got to understand that. We've got to know what is a divine interruption. It's not a pain in the backside. It's, 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 it shouldn't be inconvenience. We've got to recognize what is and discern what is a divine interruption. It's something that God has planned for us. Okay? Right. And, and, and in this scripture, we see the divine interruption, you know, crossed over social classes. Um, it, it crossed over uh, positions, people in positions that should have helped but didn't help, you know. And, 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 and the Samaritan moved in pity and compassion uh, and crossed over to help a Jew, you know. And the Samaritan wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a nurse. Whatever he had in his hands, he had oil, he had wine, he had transport, Right. And, and so he helped. He did whatever he can. He had, he had uh, uh, two days' worth of wages, which, 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 he, which he helped out, you know, to, to provide shelter and restoration. So serving often interrupts, right? Interrupts our normal lifestyle. So a funny story. Actually, it was a very serious story. Um, we were at the workers' club one night. We had dinner. My, my dad's a diamond member. He's so proud of his membership. He only had three numbers because he was an old-school original member. Nowadays, you're going to have about five digits next to your membership name in the thousands. Anyway, we, we're coming back along Sunny Hot Road. We come around the corner, this windy corner, and there's this guy whose half of his body is laying from the footpath onto the road. He just stacked his mobility scooter. Yeah, I know, I know. And, 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 and we're coming around the corner. And I had to quickly stop the car. We saw him. We jumped into action. I was driving, said to Jocelyn, take control of the, the vehicle, put the hazards on. I jumped out. Kanan jumped out. And we ran over and, and, and we're trying to lift it. Have you ever tried lifting a dead weight? 
It's, it's pretty hard. I don't know how the Samaritan got that guy on the donkey, you know. We're trying to get this guy on his mobility scooter. Anyway, we're trying to lift him up and, and this other guy jumped out the bushes somewhere. And, I'm, and, and his wallet, this guy's wallet and belongings and phones were scattered on the road and everything. You know, and cars were still flying by. I rules in the back playing Candy Crush, you know. Anyway, so we're trying to lift him. We finally got him off the ground and we put him on, onto his mobility scooter, you know. He, and I found out he hit a hump. You know the, the pavement, when the pavement goes like that? He must have been flying down around the corner. He's hit it, whoa, like a Mario Kart, like bang, you know. Anyway, we lifted him up and I said, mate, look, you know, we can put your scooter in our, in our, in our van and we can, we can take you home. He goes, oh, no, it's all right, you know. And we, we were fine. We, 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 we were on our way home and had dinner. We were on the way to get dessert, 50-cent McDonald's ice cream cone, you know, as you do. But we got interrupted. We got interrupted. And on top of that, it was a time when we went through a lot of rain and it was that evening and the, the clouds were dark, it was about to pour down, you know. So anyway, we felt we couldn't leave him. He said, he'll be fine, he's, he's going to go up to Sunny Holt Road and, and, and go home. But we never left him. We're driving along him, doing 20 k's an hour. He's on his mobility scooter, doing 20 k's an hour. It felt like we're doing 100, we're like, but we're not, right? And it was like a game of Mario Kart, all up Sunny Holt Road. Finally, he, he, he turned off Sunny Holt Road, and, and I'm sure he went home safely. But see, sometimes... Serving interrupts. Your lifestyle will be interrupted. But the question is, can we reach out? Can we be a little bit inconvenienced, you know? Who knows? Maybe we, it may sound funny, but maybe we save that person from being run over. We don't know, we, you know? Number two, serving costs us. It doesn't just interrupt, but it costs us something. The, Samar- the Samaritan, after spending that night with the poor guy, takes out two silver coins, two days' wages, and, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he gives it to the innkeeper and says, look after this guy. And when I return, if there's extra expenses, right, that you let me know and I'm going to fix you up. So even if it costs us sometimes, friends, you know, it may inconvenience us, you know, we press on to serve. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a story about my grandma. Um... So, so the setting is Fiji, a village in Fiji, and um, she was married, husband obviously, uh, had five kids. In 1962, suddenly, her husband passed away. Now, in this village, you might think tropical village, it's, it's uh, what we see on TV. Yes, it is, but also there is a dark side. In that time, in 1962, men were heavy drinkers. Men would gamble away land, possessions, even their wives and daughters. This, this, this was a dark side to village life. There was no written contracts. The contracts that were written or any paperwork, usually forged or doctored. So people relied on their word. And that's why gambling was a big problem back then. My, my grandma doesn't like playing cards. It, it brings back too many bad memories. So she loses her husband. She had five kids. One age 17, the youngest was five months years of age. The villagers, because of this context, they, they, they began to put dibs on a house. Oh no, your, your husband gambled it to us, it's, it's our house. They're pressuring her for the house. You know, pressuring her uh, as, as a widow, you know, like all this adversity was coming against her and her kids, you know. Until one day, 
You know, so her situation was placed on the road to Jericho, right? One day, a good man, a great man, a pastor came along and introduced her to Christ. And from that day, she followed Christ. She used to have prayer meetings and, and, and the villagers kept, 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 kept hounding her. But she kept strong in the faith. They would throw rocks at her house, you know, trying to disrupt the prayer meeting. But she kept faithful. She kept strong. You know, cut a long story short, out of her serving, out of her being faithful, churches were born, pastors were raised. Yeah? God raises kings and queens out of nothing. All right? And her, her story, she, she came to Australia, migrated with the kids. Um, she's got, I think, about over 18 grandchildren now. Um, and and, and she, st- she has founded a church here in, in, in Blacktown. That church now has expanded to, 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 to three other churches. Uh, there are pastors in New Zealand, San Francisco, and Canada. You know, her seed was planted from a small village against adversity as, as a single mum, as a widow. So much so that all these people gave her the name Naomi. Yeah, that's right. Somebody who in a bitter circumstances, God raised her up. Yeah. So, you know, serving cost you. It cost her her social status. She went against the grain, right? And God has blessed her immensely. And many miracles have happened in, in her life. Number three, serving changes lives. We follow Jesus through the Gospels in Matthew, Luke, and John, right? We watch as he's interrupted time and time again. As a sick man was lowered through the roof, Jesus healed him. We see how Jesus heals the blind. We see how Jesus spends time with people so dirty in society, people with leprosy. We watch as he cares for others that are not cared for. We watch as he has time for little children. We watch as he has compassion for widows and how he sits with prostitutes and the much despised tax collectors. You know, he felt so deeply that he was compelled to act. So many of us sometimes drive by a situation where we could just lend out a helping hand. We say we care, but sometimes it's just a proxy. We we just do it because we're, we're doing it, you know. But serving changes lives. It continues to change lives. In 2014, the highest suicide rate in Australia was in Arnhem Land, in the Northern Territory, in a place called Nullumboy. So we went on a mission to this place to try and, to try and help and support and turn this situation around and change lives, right? Now, when we went to the community, you can't just rock up to the community. They've got to invite you in. It's a First Nations community. So we, 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 we fly in there, and we've got this project plan. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then et cetera, et cetera. Arrived there, got off the plane, met the people, the First Nations uh, 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 group, and literally that whole plan went out the window. You know what we did for two days? We walked country. Literally, barefoot and with a spear. We went from waterhole to waterhole and, and, and we drove around all, all their homeland. You know, um, so it, we, we'd walk down the beach and um, uh, the, the guy would be walking on this side and, and the beach would be here. And we're walking along, he had a spear and he just threw the spear and, and he got a fish. And I think, how did he see the fish? You know, like, and, and there were moments where 
And I, and I, when I think, I think, hang on, maybe there's a crocodile. And he's put me between him and the crocodile so he can get his fish. I don't know, just thoughts. And once we were driving along a, a red, dusty road and I came into a stream and um, it, it, um, I, I drove slowly for the stream and, and it was the Aboriginal ladies who were with me in the car, the elders, and one, one hit me across the cranium, across the head. I said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm slowing down. Like it's a stream, right? She goes, no, there could be crocs. You've got to drive fast because if you went slow, you got stuck. You had to get out the car. And maybe there was a croc just waiting underneath the mud for you. So it was all this time I spent with them, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, no, we can't get this project done, etc. you know. But you know what it was? In serving, what they did was checking, can they trust me? Can they have the relationship? You see? It's so important to have that relationship. We don't just serve out of proxy. We serve through relationship. Jesus served through relationship. He wanted the individual. He didn't want to build some big project and, 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 and go to the root of the cause. He wanted to reach the hearts of people. And then once I did that, they turned around and said to me, oh, we thought you some big hotshot from Sydney. I said, yeah, I still am, you know. Like, <laughs> you know. Anyway. So, you know, and then everything that we had to do literally happened within one day, you know. And what happened, you know, see, see when we turn up, right, and we do all this stuff, and what happened, uh, we provide this uh, support, this um, suicide prevention support network. And then what happened was we took it from there, we took it down to Canberra, to Parliament House, before, before uh, all the politicians. And now they have over 100 of these suicide prevention networks throughout Australia. You see, we just got to turn up sometimes, friends, and serve. And God does the rest. God moves, you know. And He'll place you before politicians, before, before kings of the country, you know. So you can move their hearts, you know, to change lives. You know, there's a, there's a quick picture. I was going to close off now. There's a quick picture on the, on the screen. Um, I used to play rugby for Blacktown. And uh, 30 years ago, we went on a tour, sevens tournament in, in Europe. And we're in France. And this picture was in the Louvre. Um, it's a museum in France. And what we see here to your left-hand side is the oppressor. Somebody that thinks he's got you cornered. Somebody that's checkmated you. And on your right-hand side, we see somebody that that's looks a bit lost, looks a bit defeated, you know. And they're playing chess. A chess master looked at this photo and said, no, hang on, hang on. The game's not over. The game's not over. That guy might be looking at his future and worrying about it and fatalizing his future. He could be thinking about his past and, and perhaps monsterizing his past and replaying it in his mind, maybe remorseful about something. But he forgot about the moment that we're in. The Good Samaritan was in the moment. He reached out to the individual. He just put his hand out and made a move and God did the rest. You know, the chess master looked at this and said, there's one more move left. The king has the last move. The king has the last move. We just got to turn up in that moment, friends. We just got to turn up to serve and the king will have the last move. When, when Jesus died on the cross, you know, uh, people thought, they were crying. They thought, oh, well, it's all over. It's finished. But he had the last move. He rose up on the third day and redeemed us back to God. Amen. Amen. And it's through serving, friends, that, that, that we come closer to Christ. You know, when we don't serve, we are far away. When we serve, we find the things of Christ. We do the things that matters to Christ, you know. 
We're a good church, you know. And, and if you look back in the last one or two years, the whole country, it kind of has been on a windy road. It's kind of been on a road to Jericho with COVID, flood disasters. But here's a good thing. We look back and you are good people. We're a good church. We have done so much. We have reached out during, during this time as well, you know. So as we grow and mature in our servanthood, I believe God will open doors. And, and I actually believe that God will do something uniquely birth out of Elevation Church Hills. We just got to be patient. We've got, just got to keep turning up. We've got to keep serving. Sunday right now is just kind of half time. You know what I mean? You know, outside these doors is where we serve. Yeah? Yeah, we, we, we just meet. It's like when I used to play footy and, and we, used to, we used to come in at half time. The coach never gave out trophies at half time. There's no trophies at half time. You go, go back out and do your job. You had to finish the job to get that prize. Unless, unless you play for Manly. I, I, I don't know what they're doing. Over there, yeah. Jesus said, friends, I'll leave you with this. At the end of that scripture, he said, go and do likewise. He did not say, sleep, chill out, have a matcha latte and kind of do likewise. He said, go. It's a call to action. It's a call to action, friends. So when we leave today, you know, go and do something. Be aware. Be ready for that divine interruption. Be ready to serve. Be ready to step out. I hope when we all get to heaven one day, you know, where I can rejoin my hair and, and my teeth. Why are some of you laughing? Some of you are in the same situation as me. But when we get to heaven, that God says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. So friends, I'll leave you with that. If we could just rise to our feet, we'll just pray and, and, and close and we'll just close our eyes and we'll just pray. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity just just to come together and just share your word. Lord, just move us so deeply, Lord, to serve, Lord, that we'll be convicted to serve so deeply with such great conviction, Lord, that we'll save lives and change lives. Lord, as we leave today, Lord, that, that, your plan, your, your plan in our lives will just unfold as we serve, Father God. And Lord, I pray over everyone this morning as well, Lord, just, just their lives, Lord, that you will equip them, Lord, their talents, their gifting, Father God, that will be used, Lord. Father, your hand of protection be upon everyone here this morning. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.